I'm Sarah Lippman. Welcome to Torati Mecha Nach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. Today we will be learning Divrei Hayamim, Chronicles, Volume 1, Chapter 16. Chapter 16 opens where David, the Levium, the Kohanim, and the representatives of all Israel have just arrived with the Ark of the Covenant, the Aron, in Jerusalem. Verse 1, Vayaviu as Aron Hashem. And they brought the Aron of God, and they set it within the cover, or canopy, that David had spread out for it. The Vilna Gaon explains that David built a place for the Aron along the lines of how the Mishkan had been built in Shiloh, stone walls surrounding, and with a cloth or leather covering as the roof. Perhaps David's intention was actually that, to house the Aron in a mini Mishkan, with stone walls providing a sort of temporary permanence. Temporary, because this is not yet the Beis HaMikdash, the Holy Temple, permanent because the structure provides protection and an honorable home for as long as it may be needed. In fact, the Arun remained in this tented structure for 43 years, and it never left its home in Jerusalem again. Verses 1, 2, and 3 describe the public joy surrounding the Arun's arrival. They drew near with Ola offerings and Shlomim offerings, and David blessed the people with the name of God. I just have to say, this little moment in Divrei Hayamim really captures my imagination. Can you imagine being blessed by David HaMelech himself? I don't know if I can imagine it, but I surely want to. Ramban, commenting on Vayikra chapter 9, points out that David's blessing to the people after having established the Ark is reminiscent of the blessing that Moshe and Aaron gave to the nation after they fully set up the original Mishkan, the tabernacle in the wilderness. It's striking, these two events have a lot in common. Rashi and Vayikra says that when the Mishkan was fully ready for service and Aharon had brought all the offerings, still the Shrina, the tangible presence of God, was not visible to them. Aharon felt guilty. He felt that after everyone's hard work and dedication, maybe God was displeased with him for his unwilling role back in the Chet Egel, the sin of the golden calf. Perhaps Aharon feared God was refusing the blessing of the Shrina because Jews had died at the golden calf. Aaron feared that he was associated with bad things for the Jews, and when he thought of that, he reached his hands up and he blessed the nation. He prayed for their lives and for their success. Yehi ratzon May it be God's will that his shechina, his presence, rest upon the work of your hands. And as Aaron makes himself a cleave at Sinor, a channel and a pipeline of blessing, he himself is blessed, and the Shrina, the presence of God, comes to rest upon the Mishkan. Here, too, David has just come from an experience in which he feels partly responsible for the death of Uzzah. He feels afraid, possibly unworthy, of having God's presence come to him. With the Aaron safely installed in Jerusalem, David, maybe inspired by Aaron so long ago, blesses the people. He prays that only good will come to them, that they merit to live with the Shrina in their midst. Verses 8 through 36 are Hodu, a song of praise to God that David composed to be sung before the Aaron every day. According to the Seder Olam, this song of praise in this chapter was actually divided into two parts. Verses 8 through 22 were sung each morning, and verses 23 through 36 were sung each evening. This continued for all 43 years, early in David's reign, when he first brought the Ark to Jerusalem, and until the time that his son Shlomo completed construction of the Beis HaMikdash. But of course, they didn't really stop singing these praises at that point. We know that because we're still saying them in our prayers every single day. It's something to think about when you daven Shachris tomorrow. 
The theme of David's song before the Aron is a song of gratitude to God for Israel's unique role among the nations, and a sort of note to self to remember that. The physical presence of the Aron is a tangible reminder of God's constant presence in our lives. Thus, in verses 8 through 12, we have phrases like, Hodu Lashem Kiru Vishmo, give thanks to God Hashem, proclaim his name. Sing to him, make music to him, speak of all his wondrous acts. Search out Hashem and his might, seek out his presence always. The verses that comprise these praises match up very closely with sections of chapters 105, 96, and 106 of Psalms. Rav Moshe Eisman in the Art Scroll Diver Hayamim explores those parallels and contrasts in detail. Notably, while the first half of the song here celebrates Israel's special place in the world, the second half, the evening portion of David's song, widens to a more universal praise, that of all the nations of the world, intuitively and in harmony with the inherent song of nature, realizing God's kingship. Thus, Yismechu hashamayim v'sagel ha'aretz, let the heavens rejoice and the earth be glad, v'yomru v'agoyim Hashem alach, let all the nations declare Hashem reigns. Yeram hayam umalo'o, ya'alotz hasadeh v'chol hashabo. Let the sea and its fullness roar. Let the field and everything in it exult. This song of Hodu is our first introduction in Divrei Hayamim to David's musicality, to his composition of songs of praise and prayer to God. This aspect of David's personality, and it seems to really be the anchor of his life, is described by Rav Moshe Eisman like this. A heart full of the awareness of the divine explores with energy and eager expectation the endless variety of phenomena to always arrive at the one root cause of all. Whatever is, is but through God. This continuous and recurring discovery of the divine behind all aspects of life is the topic of Psalms. It is also the true life story of David our King. So this is our introduction to David's first non-military activity on behalf of the Jewish people. But why is the theme of our gratitude for our special role as the Jewish people specifically appropriate for service before the Aron? We might suggest that David's composition of Hodu as a song of praise to be sung before the Aron gives us a window into the lesson he learned from the death of Uzzah. Remember, his initial reaction was fear and withdrawal. He was afraid. How can I bring the Aron close to me? But then he gained strength and encouragement, and he did successfully bring the Aron to Jerusalem, and he did successfully live with that in his life, and he is rejoicing in it. So although our special closeness to God as a Mamleches Kohanim, a nation of priests, means that we have to live with more intense expectations, we need to maintain a pretty constant awareness of God's active presence in every hour of our lives, that is, yes, more intense. But it is also intensely gratifying. It is supportive, it gives meaning to our lives, and it's something we rejoice in. Verse 36, Baruch Hashem Elokei Yisrael min ha'olam ve'ad ha'olam. Blessed is Hashem God of Israel, from the most distant past to the most remote future. And all the people said, Amen and Hallel, praise to God. Verses 37 through 42 describe the arrangements of people and the service to be maintained, some elements of the divine service being in Givon with the Mishkan, others now in Jerusalem with the Aron, the honor guard, the offerings, the musical service. 
Lehodos Lashem Kileolam Chasto, to praise Hashem for his kindness is everlasting. Verse 37. And David placed there before the Aaron of the covenant of Hashem, Asaf and his brothers, Lesharis Lifneha Aaron, to serve before the Aaron, Tamid Lidvar Yombiyomo, consistently, each day its needs daily. The term Dvar Yombiyomo, which literally means each item in its own day, is used idiomatically to mean constantly, with daily regularity. I did a little search, and I found 12 places in Tanakh that use this term, Dvar Yombiyomo. Four refer to daily bread, for example, the divine bread, Mun, that was provided each and every day in the desert. And there are seven that refer to Avodas Hamikdash, the service in the temple. There's also a twelfth instance which refers to both food and the temple service. The book Kuzari tells us that divine service, whether on the grander scale of the temple service or the intimate scale of personal prayer, is spiritual sustenance. In approaching God, we open our hearts and minds to receive God's blessings and to rededicate ourselves to using the strength of those blessings in service of Hashem and the world. Prayer is food for the soul. And of course, bread is food for the body, providing strength and sustenance, which we dedicate to use in service of God and for the world. So says the Kuzari, just as you need to support your body three times a day with food, you need to sustain your neshama, your soul, with prayer, divine service, three times a day. Shachris, Mincha, and Mayriv, our spiritual breakfast, lunch, and supper. You can't really stock up on bread or prayer. You can't fill up on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur and have that last all year any more than you can eat a Shabbos meal and have it last all week. Devar Yom Biyomo. Each day has its own requirements. Each day has its tasks and goals and meals. Each day has its own support. This chapter includes an unusual level of detail for Tanakh and a lot more detail than is provided in its parallel chapter in the book of Shmuel about the offerings, the blessings, the gifts of bread, the meat, the wine, so that all the people could equally participate in the joyous feast, men, women alike. The wind instruments, the harps, the cymbals, the trumpets, the names of the people who played them, the singers, even the words of the song of praise that David composed. Why so much detail? Rav Moshe Eisman suggests that when the book Shmuel was written, the Aaron was a tangible presence in Israel. It was a focus for God's Shechina that could be seen and felt by anyone who came to the Mishkan, the tabernacle, and later the Beis Amikdash, the Holy Temple. Any time a person wanted some inspiration, some encouragement, or just to touch base with their values, you could go to the Beis Amikdash in Jerusalem and bask in the Kedusha, the holiness there. In contrast, when these chapters of Divrei Hayamim were written, just before the construction of the Second Temple, the Ark had not been seen in nearly a hundred years. With the Aron buried somewhere underneath the Temple Mount, Ezra may have felt a need to recreate the vivid memories of the joy of life with the Aron, memories that had almost faded away with the aging of the oldest people of the community. And verse 43, All the people departed, each to his own home, and David turned away, Levarech Espeso, to bless his own home. Is this perhaps the conclusion of what began in chapter 15? Vaya'as lo batim be'ir David? He made for himself homes in the city of David. Two homes, his own household, a mikdash ma'at, a small sanctuary, and the Shekhinah's household, God's household, the mikdash, the temple itself. I think this may be so. Thank you for learning together with me. Le'ilui nishmas Rose Foreman, Rezel Rachel, Basar Yeleib, and Rachel Zeitlin.